Welcome to Fraternal Review, the podcast. Today, we sit down to discuss the October 2022 Fraternal Review issue and its corresponding topic, the numberless worlds. The focus of this issue explores the question, does our Masonic ritual imply that we are not alone in this universe? And I'm joined by Brother Daniel Rivera, past master, who is the guest editor of this thought-provoking issue. He's also the past celebrant of California College SRICF and current senior warden and incoming master for the Southern California Research Lodge. Welcome to the show, Brother Daniel. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. So before we get to the issue itself, let's talk about the fact that you're the incoming master of the Southern California Research Lodge. What are some of the key initiatives or plans that you have for the coming year? Well, well, thank you for asking that, Brother Ian. Uh, We have a a wonderful team of brothers at the Southern California Research Lodge, and my aspiration and my goal is to build on the successes of my predecessors. Uh, Worshipful Brother Dago Rodriguez has done a fantastic job as master these past three years, uh, led us through the pandemic, and made sure that the issue didn't uh, simply uh, tread water or, or, or plateau, but rather continue to grow in many different ways. And my aspiration is to continue that that growth, but not only in membership, but also in the reach of the magazine, ensuring that we have a presence in Masonic libraries uh, nationally and internationally, as well as other esoteric uh, collections or research into institutions around the world that would benefit by having our uh, issues available to them. In addition to that, I would also like to increase our social media presence as well as uh, making sure that our meetings continue to maintain that Masonic education and other aspects that uh, distinguish us from a standard Masonic body. Yeah, those are some great aspirations. And I, too, uh, being a member of the Lodge, I, too, feel that every year it's building upon the success that we've enjoyed and many brethren have contributed to. So I can definitely resonate with that. So let's turn our attention to the issue at hand. This particular issue, this is not your first rodeo, so to speak. You've been a contributor to Fraternal Review for many years at this point. Uh, How many many issues have you guest edited? Do you have that number handy? Yes, uh, this would be the fourth uh, issue which I've guest edited uh, in the last five years. Uh, The first one was back in 2017, and uh, that's, I believe the full format uh, content is available for reading in our website. And I've also, I've written on the topics of King Solomon's temple as it relates to our human anatomy. I've written on the subject of alchemy, meditation, and now this issue, which is on the subject of the numberless worlds. Yeah. So tell us about this issue. How did it come to be? What's the genesis or the story behind the making of? Yeah. So I've, uh, I've always been very interested in, in the crafts and well before, um, uh, joining the fraternity, and uh, upon receiving my initiations, I decided to dig a little deeper, as especially after receiving my fellow craft degree and getting access to William Preston's lectures on the on the Masonic degrees, which has a fully expanded version of the lectures of the three degrees, such as we n- know them in in uh, in American Masonry. And I was very struck by uh, presence of this this language, which talks about myriads and myriads of worlds. And I subsequently found a similar references by uh, Albert Pike in uh, his famous work, Morals and Dogma. And as I continue to dig a little bit deeper, I found that this is 
a concept that has appeared in other more obscure writings. And this just continued to reoccur over my Masonic research. And I decided to, you know, make, make a, put a little sticky note, as it were, put a mental note that this is something that I want to dig deeper and look into uh, uh, at more in depth as time permits. Yeah, well, I'm certainly glad that you did. This is a phenomenal issue. It's certainly, you know, I, I use the phrase thought provoking, but I, I think that's almost understating it. Uh, in your guest editor's word, you actually mentioned that this topic, quote, has captured the popular imagination for decades, if not centuries, uh, but has yet really to see very limited Masonic research, end quote. Why do you think that's the case? Why do you think you're the first one to kind of go deeper into this research and writing and speculation? It, that's a very good question. And I would say that that has a lot to do with like just a shifting tenor of, of, of the fraternity over over the decades and centuries. As we're very well aware, in the 1700s, 1800s, many of the brethren were um, uh, very learned, coming from backgrounds in science, natural philosophy, uh, esotericism. And uh, they were very much in, in tune with the, with the thought processes of the time. And uh, inevitably, the, the Masonic work would reflect that. But in the 20th century, particularly, it seems that the that the tenor kind of moved towards more of the social aspect uh, on, the, on the one level, but then also on, on the academic aspect, on the scholarly aspect, there was a big notion of skepticism, not only about the uh, origins of masonry, but also about many of the ideas that were expressed by brethren in the, uh, in the previous two centuries. And as a result, many concepts which were popular at one point may have uh, become less so during the 20th century. And we find that in the works of a couple of, of authors of Masonic histories from the 50s onwards. But uh, that idea has started to become a little bit more acclimated, a little bit more attenuated in the last 20 to 30 years, where we now wish to approach the, these writers on their own terms rather than through the lens of the 20th century. And we've also seen that as science has gotten a little bit more advanced, we've, uh, we're a little bit more open to this idea of... Uh, of extraterrestrial life by whatever form it may exist. Now that uh, that our instruments of telemetry are a little bit more more refined, we cannot. We've discovered multiple exoplanets. Uh, where our astronomers are discovering more and more uh, celestial bodies as 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 the weeks and months go by. Uh, nowadays, uh, with this new James Webb telescope, we can even determine which what type of atmosphere composition many of these exoplanets have. And all of this is uh, very exciting, very encouraging to the premise that we might not be alone. And uh, it's, it's something that definitely stimulates the imagination. So there's this shifting tenor of the fraternity, and maybe we're blessed with just right time, right place to start to explore some of these ideas, given our intellectual freedom or philosophical freedom to explore these ideas. And then, as you mentioned, that's backed by some of the scientific advancements as well. Absolutely. Tell us about how the passage in earlier Masonic ritual exclaims, quote, numberless worlds are all around us and all framed by the same divine artist, end quote. I know I'm paraphrasing here, but what's the background on that phrase? Yeah, so this, this phrase uh, really struck me as I was going through the fellow craft degree and also subsequently when I was learning this as, a, as an officer and in my Blue Lodge, and this is a, one of my favorite passages in, in, uh, in the second degree of masonry, where we're being uh, instructed in how geometry can be used to understand the world around us, uh, 
to see how the uh, the way the planets move in their orbits, just to see how uh, uh, how the world is framed by by our creator and and this idea that there are numberless worlds, not just our own, it was something that uh, really uh, fascinated me and intrigued me. And I and I subsequently found in uh, William Preston's lectures that this concept was of numberless inhabited worlds, and that just uh, really uh, just blew my mind. And I decided to continue that avenue of investigation and. This uh, fraternal review issue is a, is a product of it. Yeah. Another point you drew out in the issue was that many modern Masons may not know that the early ritual actually entertains this belief of cosmic pluralism and this this idea of numberless worlds or numberless inhabited worlds, basically saying that we're not alone. So what what implications does this have? maybe on, on your craft or at the, on the craft at large? I suppose that one of the ways that it can affect us, perhaps on the individual level, is that it'll at the very least stimulate our uh, avenues of, of, um, of uh, investigation. We can figure out, well, if, we're, uh, if we are alone, then obviously we're very unique. But if we're not alone, then this, this concept, this brotherhood of mankind, would not necessarily just extend to other homo sapiens. It may extend to other intelligent beings elsewhere. Perhaps we can speculate that they may uh, wish to petition our lodge at some point in centuries to come, uh, or we may speculate about the idea of us visiting other other lo- such locations. The ideas are can be very uh, outlandish, perhaps, and by some perceptions. But at the very least, it, we can uh, we can entertain this idea of uh, that if we're not alone. Uh, how can we extend this concept of brotherhood beyond just this one planet that we're in? Would you also extend other tenets such as like relief or truth to other life form or, or other sentient beings? Yes, absolutely. The, all of these, these ideas, if, we're, if we believe that truth, morality, faith, all of these concepts are true now and always and everywhere, then inevitably we will find uh, good good individuals of, of regardless of uh, size or shape or color, such as we do in this day and age. So that's one avenue of, of investigation. But on the other hand, many Masons uh, we we just we draw we derive a lot of pleasure from just knowing this world, understanding the works of the Creator, the the how uh, this great architect has crafted. Uh, a world far more beautiful and far more mysterious than anything we could have possibly imagined. And the idea that, uh, that life is, is something that's not limited to just one single place, one particular point in time, that's something that I'm sure uh, we want to know. And ultimately, that's uh, something that is just in our nature as human beings to, to want to know more. Yeah. And do you think knowing this or speculating that this is, in fact, a truth do you feel that that would bring us closer to our union with the great architect of the universe? Absolutely. We're, uh, we're, made you, uh, we're given all of these different tools of, of the liberal arts and sciences to investigate the world around us because by doing so, uh, not only do we understand our creator a lot more, but we're also allowed to become participants in his, in his work of continuing in, uh, this edification of of Solomon's temple, for a lack of a better term, or this work of improving the world around us, whether it's in our interpersonal relationships, whether it's on the societal level or 
potentially on the planetary scale or interplanetary scale if we were to come to that point uh assuming that uh such notions are were were confirmed uh, and made uh, realistic when we think about the architecture within the lodge room and the, the mosaic pavement and the tessellated border do the numberless worlds exist beyond the tessellated border? I know this is a somewhat abstract question, but it's just kind of occurring to me now. Like where, if the Lodge Room is in fact a microcosm of the physical world, where do the numberless worlds, where are they re- represented in our symbology, ritual, or in the architecture of Solomon's Temple? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there's a couple of places where this concept appears in in William Preston's lecture, one of which is in the in this uh, description of geometry, the other being in uh, the discussion on the celestial globe at the entrance of the candidate to the lodge. And while the um, candidate is contemplating the celestial globe, he sees like these myriad stars upon it, and that's one place where we see uh, uh, multiple worlds, such as is discussed in the issue. Uh, and this idea that you're describing of of the mosaic pavement of how we uh, we walk upon uh, good and evil, and and how we're uh, we're basically uh, instructed not to be overwhelmed by the by success, by good, or brought down by evil, darkness, etc. But maintain that certain equanimity or that balance between the between these extremes. That's something that nece- that obviously we would uh, translate anywhere we may be whether it's upon the surface of this world or whether, as a couple of uh, brother astronauts have already done, they've, uh, when they've gone a couple uh, miles above our atmosphere or, or have visited other celestial bodies such as the moon thus far, potentially these ideas are something that we can carry with us as we travel uh, in foreign countries, be they in this planet or elsewhere. Yeah, can you tell us more about how some of this insight and, and the belief in extraterrestrial life, how it impacts our work in and out of Lodge? Yeah, it's, um, as far as the, the work outside of Lodge, that would all depend, of course, on where we come from as far as our, if we're scientists, uh, naturally our work will be far more direct and much more directly involved with uh, the telemetry or potentially uh, being involved with space programs in any way. Now, if our work is uh, on this much more spiritual, whether we're seeking to correspond with predator-human intelligences of different sort, that's where uh, we might rely on those tools made available by our spiritual practice to to uh, connect with these uh, these beings, whether we refer to them as uh, as angels or or spirits of different sorts. Uh, but these are some of different ways that some folks might uh, interact with them. And like, and always within the framework of our corresponding belief systems or, or uh, acceptance of uh, different scientific uh, ideas. How has it shaped your work and your craft? Uh, on the one hand, it definitely has stimulated my imagination at this idea that masonry is something that's far more uh, vast than uh, than just my local blue lodge or even maybe my local jurisdiction. Or, or the uh, the masons within my country or, or continent or planet, uh, this idea that is present in the writings of some uh, Masonic uh, authors is that everywhere that there's been a civilization, there's always been some expression of masonry, whether it's maybe they're not necessarily um, using uh, Prestonian lectures or, uh, or Masonic rituals such as we know it, but they will still have this concept of 
brotherhood, morality. And as a result of many brothers have been able to see similar fraternal societies and other cultures as they've traveled the world, especially in the 1800s. And we may find similar ideas were we to find uh, beings of some level of civilization. Obviously, they would have to have some level of uh, morality of, or idea, a, a means of investigating truth were that uh, to be found. Yeah, as, a, as I'm listening to you speak, my imagination is also being stimulated around the idea of the universality of masonry and the way we define universality, meaning it can apply beyond the borders of, say, religion or ethnic upbringing or geographic region within our own kind of planetary body. But universality, as you're describing it now, could be further reaching beyond the cosmos or even beyond our individualized solar system. That's a beautiful way to frame it. And inevitably, universality will extend through the universe, uh, to put it very, very, very succinctly. Mm-hmm. There was another quote that you found in this and presented in this issue that, that struck me. It's one by Brother Benjamin Franklin, and who we all adore, I'm sure. Uh, and it basically states that he didn't believe that we were alone. So he kind of holds a similar point of view that we've been discussing here, that there are numberless inhabited worlds. Uh, and not only that, but he goes on to say that, quote, there are many degrees of beings superior to us. And I guess on one hand, that could be a little discouraging, but do you hold this belief as well? And, and how do you feel about this sentiment that there could be beings more superior than us? You know, uh, I, was, I will say that uh, obviously throughout this uh, discussion, I've been very speculative as far as like how uh, life can uh, exist in other planets or the, or the idea that there may be other masonries uh, elsewhere or, or this idea of universality, how, how far we can extend that uh, brotherly hand. But as far as Benjamin Franklin's uh, idea that they might be greater than us, that's certainly within, uh, within the realm of possibility. Many scientists have told us that the universe is billions of years old and uh, human, uh, human beings have only been on this planet for about roughly about 300,000 years, which means that if life has arisen elsewhere, it must have had a significant amount of time to, to refine itself, to progress, to define what type of civilization it wishes to be, all of which would inevitably make them superior to us were they uh, beings of uh, flesh and bone such as, such as we are. And obviously, if they're beyond the, uh, the limitations of a, of a physical body such as we have, then at that point, uh, there would be what we would consider spiritual beings, what some of, some systems would call angels or or spirits, perhaps. And these, uh, by by their very nature, are superior to us, and not only in terms of their cognition, but also to the extent of their reach through nature. So, I think that's uh, that's definitely a, a, a very plausible argument, uh, a very plausible belief that uh, Brother Benjamin Franklin was was espousing. Yeah, although it questions our authority. At, at least in this solar system, or at least on this planet. On the other hand, for me, it's actually quite hopeful because if there are superior beings, that in a, in a sense, it's proof that the path of ascension is accurate. And this progressive science that we love and is very near and dear to us of Freemasonry, that it actually works. <laughs> 
that through countless lifetimes and the pursuit of refining our perfect Ashler, that we can actually ascend and become more superior than our current existence. That's just me, though. No, that, that's a very beautiful idea, brother. And, uh, and I, I, would, I agree that as we continue to embody these lessons of fraternity on the individual level and, and bring them into action in our society and into our civilization, ultimately that civilization will become much more compassionate, much more interested in investigating uh, matters of science, matters of morality, matters of, of brotherhood and cohesion as a society, all of which will inevitably make that uh, world grow for the better. And uh, any societies that do not have these elements sooner or later they collapse, they fail. And we've seen that happen in, in human history at, uh, at different times where if a culture begins to uh, break the bonds of brotherhood within itself or to uh, abandon these notions of, of morality and ethics, inevitably such a society will, uh, will disappear. It's possible that throughout the course of time, uh, if there have been uh, intelligence civilizations elsewhere, maybe one of the reasons we do not find them is because they uh, failed that test of brotherhood. But then uh, those civilizations which have been able to have some type of idea of ethics, morality, goodness, brotherhood, extending that helping hand to one another, they, they'll be able to go far beyond the limits of their, of, of their, of their locality in space and time and potentially may uh, reach out to others. And these, are, these ideas have been explored to uh, varying degrees in science fiction. And as, at least as of this moment, we do not have any tangible proof of any of this. But that being said, this still doesn't uh, uh, stop us from, uh, from speculating on these matters. I like how you've connected the notion of the test of time to the test of brotherhood and how they could very well be one and the same thing. In, in order to survive, you have to also evolve <laughs> in your morality and your ethical behavior and your pursuit of ascension or union uh, with that divine goodness. So one thing that I see that happens a lot, at least from my experiences, once you vest yourself into research and writing and discovery in a particular topic, and then you complete a work of art, such as this issue, you gain insights along the way. So I'm just wondering at this point, now that it's completed and it's been shipped and it's available for download and, and further uh, enjoyment by all of our readers, what kind of insights or reflections do you have? That's a very good question. Something that, uh, um, that I have must say is that when it comes to these issues, we limit our, we're limited mostly by space as far as how much we can share. Something that I found very fascinating while, while researching this topic was that this concept as science fiction, we could, uh, for lack of a better term, we can, uh, we can uh, entertain that it is. It's something that just reoccurs over and over in so many different cultures. I was surprised to find that there's uh, similar ideas in Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, in, in different uh, Christian denominations. And it's something that many folks throughout the world are very open to. And of course, with uh, nowadays, it's attenuated by the, by the uh, scientific skepticism of that perhaps the, the universe isn't uh, overflowing and brimming with, with all manner of, of intelligent life, but maybe uh, it might be limited to just bacteria on Mars or, or in Europa or some, or some other local bodies. But who knows, maybe at some point in the next 
decades or centuries or millennia, we may come across uh, uh, beings similar to us that we can interact with uh, and ex- and exchange ideas with. Right. And that's a uh, very fascinating to entertain. It is. We landed on this idea that the work of Freemasonry is perhaps way more far-reaching than just your local Blue Lodge, as you put it. And we also touched upon this idea of universality of Freemasonry could actually literally be (laughs) universal and and reach the entire universe. Are those the key takeaways that you would want a reader to have after they go through this issue? Or are there other key takeaways that you would like to leave the readers with? Yeah, those are great things to uh, to acknowledge and entertain. And I would also uh, encourage readers to uh, be open minded to, to the idea of uh, of the possibilities that uh, that there's far more in nature that than than we can possibly uh, uh, see or, or or apprehend at this particular point in time. But as as Brother Mason said, it's it's great for us to have an open mind to allow our imagination, our creativity to go forth, and it's. Uh, and from time to time, we may come across concepts which at first blush might seem uh, outlandish or perhaps something a little bit off the beaten path. But when, uh, when we're able to entertain the ideas and just measure them with how it relates to, to the concepts of truth, evidence, rationality, logic, all of, all of the implements which we are given in the second degree via the liberal arts and sciences, we can then uh, see if this is something that we can continue investigating or whether it's something that we could uh, put aside as a as a as a nice artifact uh, of uh, intellectual thought that might not have a bearing uh, in the future. But that being said, just by us engaging in it, we it encourages us to uh, to grow and and challenge our our ways of thinking. Yeah, and we must always do that if we seek to continue to evolve and improve our own thinking. If you were to make a numberless worlds part two or follow up. What do you think would be included? Yeah, well, that would I think would be a, a nice issue to explore uh, uh, some of the some of these concepts of um, of extraterrestrial lodges, and that's you know just a bit of an aside, perhaps. But this is an idea that has been entertained uh, by some circles over the 20th century. This idea that well, if uh, if there are other other intelligent beings elsewhere, perhaps they're performing some kind of masonry. And perhaps they've already have uh, been having some effect uh, on those of us here. Uh, these ideas occur mostly within the Theosophical uh, movement, as well as, as some uh, some more smaller uh, uh, spiritual circles. But uh, that's where you have these ideas of uh, continuing that path of progression through the craft that doesn't just limit itself to this world, but potentially to other places. And uh, whether it's whether in space or in locality, but uh, that's something that if uh, somebody were to, willing to entertain that idea even further, sure, we could go further down that rabbit hole for a lot, or that wormhole for perhaps for lack of a better term. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I like the, the idea of a wormhole. It, it could transport us. We all come to Freemasonry with the acknowledgement that we believe in a higher power, that we believe in God, and that God, as we refer to, as the great architect of the universe. And for that to be true, then obviously he's a builder. And then naturally, (laughs) at least in my book, then there must be some form of Freemasonry. You know, it's the builder's craft that would be at play across all creation, not just ours. 
Any final thoughts to leave the listeners with? Yeah, you're, you touched upon a very interesting topic just, uh, just there, that this was an idea that, that was entertained by luminaries such as Giordano Bruno, this idea that this infinite cause uh, that created this world will also have uh, an infinite effect upon its creation. And therefore, either one, one way of that expression is either the universe is infinite or the amount of worlds are infinite. And that's where, the, where potentially this, this uh, Solomonic temple or this sacred space is found not just a, uh, in our society, but in many other places. And during the age of discovery, of course, many, uh, many brothers, when they would visit other countries, would find some similarities in, in, in other cultures. Perhaps were we to find uh, some other society in another locality in space, maybe we'll find some similarities there as well. But at this moment, that all of that is still within the realm of speculation. But we are speculative masons, so that's uh, totally okay for us to do. Yeah. So you're suggesting we go from numberless worlds to infinite worlds, perhaps, as part two of this investigation. That's a possibility. Sure. I like that. Well, this has been an absolute delight to sit down with you, Brother Daniel. Thank you for your time. Thanks for the effort that you put into this issue. Congratulations again. Uh, It's truly a highlight for this year's Fraternal Review publishing schedule. So kudos to you and, and many thanks. Absolutely, brother. And thanks for having me. Cheers. Fraternal Review has been published for over six decades, and each issue is dedicated to a specific topic, such as Masonic symbols, lore, and history. If you enjoyed this episode of Fraternal Review's podcast, please subscribe, support, or visit our website for more information. You can become a digital, print, or digital and print subscriber of the Fraternal Review magazine at theresearchlodge.com.